I'd like for you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Last week, we looked only at verse 21. This morning, I give you a shot of hope. (laughs) We're going to start at verse 21 in our reading and read through verse 26. Follow along in your copy of God's word as I read from the English Standard Version, beginning at verse 21 in chapter 1 of Philippians, where Paul writes, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glorify, to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Have you ever been faced with a choice between two good things, two good opportunities? It seems like I've gone through that before. I've seen many other people go that, uh, through that before, maybe even going through a dry spell of no opportunities whatsoever, whether it's looking for a job or something like that. You're looking and you're searching and you're pleading with the Lord, Lord, give me an option, give me an opportunity. And then all of a sudden you have two or three And then you have to choose. And you're looking, and they all look good. And they all look acceptable, and all would be pleasing to the Lord if you were to choose any one of them. It's not easy to make a decision when faced with two good options. And the text before us this morning, we can see that Paul is dealing with that. Paul found himself in that situation where if the choice were left up to him, he wouldn't know which would be the best to choose. Which one should he decide if that was his decision to make? Which one should he choose? Imagine you've, been seen, uh, you've uh, not seen your children. Uh, maybe you've got a child that, that's an adult. Imagine you've got an adult child that you have not seen in a long time. And you get news that in two weeks they are being sent because of their employee uh, employment. Their employer is sending them to another country to work in the, the field office a, a long way from home in another country. And they're going to be gone for two years. And you just have two weeks to get to see them. And you, and you need to go see them. You want to see them before they depart. And yet, you have a homebound spouse who is ill and needs your care, needs your help. You need to be there to care for your spouse, and yet you want to go see your child who's leaving the country. You really don't want to miss that opportunity to visit your child, and yet you know your spouse needs you. What do you do? You'd feel torn between visiting that soon-to-be-missed child and leaving the one who needs your daily presence. 
That's a similar challenge to what Paul faced. Paul was torn between being with Jesus in heaven, between being here on earth and being with those to whom and with whom he was ministering, preaching the gospel, living for Christ for the sake of the church, the church of Christ, and, and being with Christ. Would it be better to live and keep serving Christ or, or to die and be with Christ? Now, I'm guessing that some of us, maybe many of us, would consider Paul's dilemma and think, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? It would be better to live. Of course, that would be natural for many of us to think when we think about all the people we would miss. (laughs) Or in the way we think, all the people who would miss us. I would be missed. (laughs) I would not be missed, but you know how it goes, right? People, we think of ourselves, don't we? We think about our own needs, our own wishes, our own desires, and we think of Paul's predicament. We think, what's the problem? It would be better to just to live, to, to enjoy life. What's the big deal? And then there's some of us who, let's say we've seen great difficulties in this life, and we know what it is to grieve. Maybe we know what it is to suffer, and we know that one day all of those tears that we've shed are going to be wiped away, and there's going to be rejoicing in heaven with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for all eternity. And we might say, what's the big deal, Paul? How hard can this be? Heaven, of course, heaven. And I wonder if in both groups if in both groups some of us might be thinking what we're thinking for the wrong reasons. Consider this, Paul's focus wasn't on his natural desires. And this is where we struggle, isn't it? We are so fixated on the here and now. We're so stuck on me, on us, on what's best for me. We're so fixated on the here and now, and yet Paul had learned how to balance that tension Paul had an eternity perspective. And we can see here both Paul's heart for Christ and his heart for the church. And that longing to serve Christ in all things shaped his desires. He longs to be with Christ. He loved his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He longed to see him face to face. He longed to be with him. And that longing, consider this, that that longing to be with Christ actually shaped his desires as he lived in the here and now. He longed to be with Christ, but he was also concerned for the welfare of the church and for those whom Christ had him serving. John MacArthur's commentary on this passage in which he tells tells of Adoniram Judson is a very helpful illustration, I believe, who had a heart for Christ like Paul's. He writes, Adoniram Judson was one of the first overseas missionaries sent out from America. In the early 19th century, he and his first wife went to India and a short, time, a short while later to Burma, where he labored for nearly four decades. After 14 years, he had a handful of converts and had managed to write a Burmese grammar. 
During that time, he suffered a horrible imprisonment for a year and a half and lost his wife and children to disease. Like Paul, he longed to be with the Lord. But also, like the apostle, he considered his work for Christ to be infinitely more important than his personal longings. He therefore prayed that God would allow him to live long enough to translate the entire Bible into Burmese and to establish a church there of at least 100 believers. The Lord granted that request and also allowed him to compile Burmese, English, and English Burmese dictionaries, which became invaluable to the Christian workers, both foreign and Burmese, who followed him. He wrote, If I... And get this, if I had not felt certain that every trial was ordered by infinite love and mercy, I could not have survived my accumulated sufferings. I would suggest that what we're seeing in Philippians is that was what Paul saw. He saw what we hear from Adoniram Judson. He was certain that every trial was ordered by the infinite mercy and love of God. Had had he not known that, had Paul not known what he is going through, had he had, had not known that God was working to fulfill his good purposes, Paul likely would not have been able to survive his accumulated sufferings. Adoniram Judson had a heart for serving Christ, and his desire to make Christ known shaped his life, shaped the way he lived, shaped his desires. Not that there weren't competing selfish desires, but he helped, it helped shape his desires into Christ-like desires. It helped shape his prayer life. We looked at verse 21 last Sunday. Today we are going to focus on verses 22 through 26 as we consider what we can learn and apply to our lives about Paul's heart for Christ and about how it shaped his eternal perspective. How can our eternal, our eternity perspective be shaped so that we know how to live in the here and now as we anticipate an eternity with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? We see Paul's heart for the church in verse 22. You can see his heart for the church. Look at verse 22 again, where he says, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. That's labor for the cause of Christ that he's talking about, for the good of the church, for the good of those whom God has him serving that he's talking about. And then in verse 23, his heart for Christ is obvious. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. And he knows that is far better for him. There's no doubt that Paul would have been better off personally to depart, to leave his sorrows and earthly struggles far behind. There's no doubt that he would have been personally better off to depart and be with his Savior Death for the follower of Christ is not a loss, and though, even though we often think of it that way. It's not a loss. It is victory over sin and death. It is a promotion. A believer at death enters the presence of the Lord and is freed. Think of that. Freed from the fallen sin in this world, the fallenness of the world that we live in, and the sin that we face on a daily basis. 
even on the sin that, that, that we struggle with personally, to, to die, to pass into the eternal presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is to leave those struggles far behind. That's why we don't often speak of a believer's passing uh, when they pass away. We often don't speak of their death in terms of death. We often say that a believer has gone home to be with the Lord. They've gone to be with the Lord. They've gone home, we say. The word that Paul has used here, the word depart that he uses here in verse 23 means to take down your tent and move on. To pull up stakes and move on. Sailors also use this word. It means to loosen a ship and set sail. And departure was also a political term. It described the setting free of a prisoner. All those things are true of the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ at death. You're pulling up your stakes. You're moving on to your eternal home. You're pulling up anchor. You're loosing yourself from the dock of life to set sail into eternity with your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Death is far from a terrible thing for a believer. Death is being set free. It is far better for one who has trusted in Jesus Christ. As Paul had, we can see that his outlook is bright. He knows that being with Christ is far better. Life certainly was a struggle for Paul at times. He certainly faced hardships. We know this. If we've read the New Testament books, we know that he had gone through shipwrecks and beatings and imprisonments. And and certainly to depart and be with his Lord would have been so much better for him personally. He'd be liberated from his life in the world marred by sin. He'd be liberated from the temptation of sin. He'd be promoted to eternal life in heaven with his Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul didn't fear death. He anticipated it. He looked forward to it. Maybe some of you are wondering how anyone could actually look forward to death. Because that sounds very strange to you. And yet for the believer who is firmly fixed on the truths of Scripture, whose life is firmly founded on the foundation of Scripture, whose, whose heart is fixed on the, the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished, that doesn't seem so strange, does it? To anticipate heaven, to look forward to that day when you'll be loosed from these earthly bond, bonds. Paul could look forward to death because he had a heart for Christ. That's the challenge for us, isn't it? We can look forward to death if we have the right perspective. We can look forward to an eternity, maybe even thinking what we might thinking about what we might be leaving behind here on this earth. We can anticipate heaven looking forward to those things if we will fix our eyes on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and on his word. He knew that eternal life was his to enjoy in the presence of his Savior. The familiar John 3.16 makes it clear that you don't need to fear death either. We don't need to fear death. If we understand like Paul did that God loves sinners and gives forgiveness of sins and eternal life to all who trust in his son. The question for us is have we trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Is death no longer something you fear? Is it something you now No is far better, like Paul did. 
And if you have trusted Christ, do you have peace? Do you live with peace? Knowing that what awaits you is far better. Do you have peace that whether God chooses to bring you home to heaven now or to leave you here on earth for a time as his ambassador, it is for his good purposes? Do you have peace that he is in control and that he has you here for a purpose? And for for his purpose, he will either leave you here for his glory or take you home for his glory and either choice will be for your good sometimes I think we struggle with whether it's failing health or serious difficulties or even the thought of our eventual loss of life because we don't have the proper perspective we don't have an eternity perspective we're living too much in the here and now sure we've trusted Christ and we want to be with him Someday. But we cling to the things of this life with little hope, with little anticipation about what God has for us, what he is preparing for us in eternity. But God's word challenges us today to seek to have a heart that longs to be with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because we've trusted in him and because we are trusting in him because we are seeking to please him with our lives. I think the passage before us really challenges to stop and ask ourselves, do I have a passion for serving Jesus Christ and making him known for as long as he keeps me here as I anticipate the glories of heaven and what he is preparing for me? Paul had a heart for Christ, and we can see it in his longings to to be with his Savior. He really wanted to be with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a struggle for him. He's saying, I I know if I stay, I can serve the church, and and that would be for the good of those whom I serve. And yet, to be with Christ, that would be so good for me. His passion for making known the gospel of Jesus Christ also gave him a heart for the church, though. His passion for the Lord Jesus Christ also gave him a passion for people. And that brought great balance. That great, brought a very good and healthy perspective. His eternity perspective brought him balance over the tension between heaven and here. It's the same kind of thing that we need to learn. We need to learn balance over the tension between getting to heaven and still being here. And we can hear Paul's heart for the church in verse 22 when he writes, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Remember that Paul is in prison as he writes this. He knows he could be released or he could face execution. And he's not there as a criminal, but because of his devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's devoted to preaching the gospel, to sharing the gospel, to telling the good news of the gospel. And knowing he could face death doesn't trouble him. Why not? Because he knows that then he would depart and be with Christ But he also understands that if he lives, 
If he stays, if the Lord keeps him in this place, even in the midst of his trials, he will continue serving Christ. It will be because the Lord wants him to keep serving him for the sake of the gospel. And he knows that that work will be fruitful with God's help. So in spite of his longings to be with Christ, we hear in verse 24 his heart for the church when he says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your part. More necessary on your account. Notice in verse 25 also that Paul is confident that it would be to their benefit for him to continue his gospel ministry because he says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Now, some have looked at that passage and wondered if Paul's confidence here is because God has revealed to him that he's going to remain alive. And he's, it's like he's saying he's confident he'll remain and continue in his ministry because God has told him this. But I don't think that's the case. He doesn't really say that. If, especially if you look at verse 27, Paul says, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, it's still in the up, up in the air to him. But there's something going on In Paul's mind, in Paul's heart, he's not certain at this point what the Lord has for him, but it does seem that Paul was convinced in his own mind that it would be best if he were to remain and continue in his ministry. But ultimately, he knew, and this is ultimately what we need to know, he knew that his future was in God's hands, and he knew that God would certainly do what was best. It's hard to come to that realization at times, isn't it? To look at the present situation you might be in and say, I'm going to trust God with this, whether this gets better or worse. I know that this will be for my best. I know that God is going to use this for my good and for his glory. That was where Paul had arrived. And so Paul tells us in verse 23 that he is hard-pressed between the two, or as the NIV puts it, he is torn between these two possibilities. And the fact that he was torn between the two shows that not only did he have a heart for Christ, but he has a heart for Christ's church, for God's people. He cared about God's church and he was willing to continue his ministry with them if that was God's desire. I appreciate what Matthew Henry points out on Paul's predicament when he writes, uh, Paul's predicament was not between living in this world and living in heaven. It wasn't between these these two. There 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 is no comparison, he writes, Between these two things, between living in this world and living in heaven, there is no comparison, and we would have to agree with that. We think about what God is preparing for us in heaven, but his straight, his difficulty was between serving Christ in this world and enjoying him in another. He goes on to say, still it was Christ that his heart was upon Though to advance the interest of Christ and his church, he chose rather to tarry here where he met with oppositions and difficulties and to deny himself for a while the satisfaction of his reward. There's a tension for those whose hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ 
As Matthew Henry points out, the tension between serving Christ in this world and enjoying him in the next that we've got to deal with. And you and I need to learn to see, as Paul saw, that when you become God's child through faith in Christ, he doesn't usually take you immediately home to be with him. He leaves you here for a time. And he leaves you here so that you will point others to himself with your life. That's what we are seeing from Paul's life. He cared about people because he cared about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he cared about the gospel of Christ. And the gospel of Christ was given for people who need Christ. And he knew that as long as he drew breath he would be able to keep serving the Lord. Paul was devoted to serving Christ for the sake of God's church. He was involved in in being engaged in, he was engaged in serving the Lord by ministering to others. He, He lived, in fact, the words that he wrote that we'll see in Philippians 2, in verses 3 and 4, when we get there. Go and look at those two verses for a moment with me. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, he lived these words. He is living them as we, as we examine his life from the text. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I mean, thinking about Paul's struggle here that we're thinking about it here in chapter 1 brings new meaning to these verses in chapter 2, doesn't it? Often we look at verse 3 and we just think, don't be selfish. And yet, we ought to look at verse 3 and think, how can I serve? It goes beyond just not being selfish. That's what we see in verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul was living this. He was dealing with this tension. For me, selfishly, to be, to be honest, to be far better off, to be with Christ, and yet, it might be better if I were to stay. And yes, that might mean more suffering for me, but it might be better if I were to stay and keep serving alongside God's people to encourage them, to strengthen them, to point them to Christ with my life. That was Paul's attitude. Paul had a heart for others, and he served his Lord faithfully by preaching the gospel, by proclaiming the truth, by coming alongside others and living the gospel so that they could see Christ in him. And in the interest of the Philippian believers, he was confident that it would be better for him to remain and continue his ministry You've probably heard the saying, oh, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. That wasn't true of Paul. That wasn't true of his life. He definitely was heavenly minded. We can see that here. He's definitely heavenly minded, but in the best sense. He desired to depart and be with Christ. But he also had a heart for others that prompted him and promoted him to serve and minister faithfully as long as God gave him breath. I think what happens is that sometimes God's people are so earthly minded, we're no heavenly good. 
But as followers of Christ, we have every reason to long to be with Christ. And that longing ought to remind us that God still has us here for the sake of those who still need Christ. That we would use the gifts that God is giving us so that we might live for Christ in the here and now while we anticipate with great joy and eternity in heaven with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's clear Paul's heart for Christ and the church is evident here in Philippians 1. He loved God with all his heart and soul and mind and strength and he loved people. And so as long as Paul lived, he wasn't content to watch from the sidelines. He wanted to be in the game, so to speak. He wanted to be in there. He wanted to be serving, doing whatever it was that God had for him so that his life could proclaim the truth of the gospel. His love for Christ gave him an eternity perspective and motivated him and moved him and strengthened him for fruitful service to Christ. His love for Christ gave him that eternity perspective, and we can hear it in verse 26, where Paul says, look at verse 26 again, so that in me, and we might think he's pointing to himself here, but he's not, so that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. He wants to be an example. He wants his life to be a a bright light shining on the Lord Jesus Christ. And because Paul had a heart for Christ and for people, he knew that the Philippian believers would be rejoicing, that they would be celebrating and praising God if they were to see him again. But the praise would be God's and not Paul's. That should be our desire also. That ought to encourage us. That ought to challenge us to have the right reason to serve, to have the right motivation for service. I hope you never serve because your pastor asked you to serve or because someone in the church came along and asked you to serve. Certainly that's going to happen. There are going to be times when people come along beside you and say, I think you would be good at this. Would you be willing to do that? I hope you don't serve because they've asked you. I hope you serve because you want to serve Christ. They're asking you may stir something in you. But as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we await an eternity in glory, the glories of heaven that God is preparing for us now, as we anticipate that eternal home, let's not forget that God still has us here. And he has us here to serve him. And our lives would be a bright light shining to the Lord Jesus Christ, a testimony of his work daily in us. That God would get the glory in our service to others for his sake, for his glory, for his good purposes to be accomplished. May God help us. May that be our prayer, that God would help us. That he would help our love for him to grow and increase 
And as a result, that he would give us an eternal perspective and that he would grow in us a passion for serving Christ faithfully wherever he's placed us, whatever he has us doing, with whatever gifts he has given us. Pointing people to Christ for as long as we have breath as we deal with the tension of anticipating an eternity in glory with him. May that be our prayer today and always.